Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri. Wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. My dear brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. All praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And peace and blessings be upon the final messenger. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his final messenger. Um, Subhanallah, today I had an incident whereby I woke up and my voice disappeared. I'm sure those who were with me um, last night I might have noticed in the prayer uh, what happened towards the end and it seemed to have continued. But walillahi alhamd, it's come back slowly but surely. Um, and I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to uh, protect my voice and protect your voices and protect our health. Uh, inshallah, inshallah, inshallah. Uh, brothers and sisters, yesterday in our Blast of the Past series, which was episode 10, and by the way, I welcome you all to episode 11. Is this episode 11? Yes, Alhamdulillah. Episode 11, Blast from the Past, Seerah in the 21st Century. Yesterday, uh, we learned uh, many lessons, Walillahi Alhamd. Um, and today, inshallah, we want to continue and move to a different phase. The phases we've discussed in the previous episodes were phases before Rasulullah became a prophet. Yesterday we discussed the whole rebuilding of the Kaaba, right? And that, and, and, and that incident happened when he was 35 years old. Now we at the phase when Rasulullah is to receive wahi, is to receive wahi. And the scholars of Sirah, the historians and, and, and the scholars of the Sunnah, rather, they mention that when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam coming up to that period when he was becoming a prophet, he frequented this concept of solitude and visiting the cave of Hira and we've discussed this in many an episode and the importance of having a cave and that moment of peace in our lives when we can reconnect to our natural disposition. We can start hearing the inner voice that is always calling out to us and calling us back to common sense, right? We said we all have this inner voice, but this inner voice is drowned out by the noise of social media, the noise of society and the media, and so on and so forth. So Rasulullah wasallam used to leave the hustle and bustle of Mecca and idolatry and so on and so forth, and he would go to reconnect to this inner voice that was calling him to common sense, reconnect with his natural disposition, trying to work out how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We've discussed this in previous episodes. He, he didn't know how and Allah guided him. Allah said, right? You were not upon complete guidance. You were searching for complete guidance. You were not misguided, but you didn't know how to worship Allah. Fahada. And we revealed to you and taught you how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to be worshipped. So he would go to the cave of Hira and try to worship Allah. How did he worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Many scholars give different citations. And 
we say that he sallallahu alayhi wasallam worshipped Allah upon that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened for him. Some say he worshipped upon the way of Nuh alayhi salam. Some say he worshipped upon the way of Ibrahim alayhi salam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Some scholars actually say that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam did perform hajj before he became a prophet. And a sign that he was upon the way of Ibrahim alayhi salam was that on the day of Arafah, he would stand on the plains of Arafah, whilst the Quraysh would stand on the plains of Muzdalifah. We know that the Quraysh would tweak things based on their poor intellect, and they would put intellect in front of, in, well, they, they never believed in revelation, but they gave the intellect a precedence, right? <coughs> they gave their intellect a precedence. So they said that, look, Arafah is a holy day. And the plains of Arafah are outside of the Haram, not inside of the Haram. And we know this. If you look at the Haram boundary, Arafah is outside of the Haram boundary, right? For those who visit in Mecca, you know this. So they said, what makes more sense is for us to stand on Muzdalifah, because Muzdalifah is within the Haram boundary. They tweaked worship. And it is reported that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam would go and stand on Arafah. Where did he get this from? From the way of Ibrahim alayhi salam. This is what the scholars who say that he worshipped upon the way of Ibrahim alayhi salam use as evidence, right? But they have disputed whether he actually did perform hajj before prophecy and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. <coughs> Brother Raymond, if you want to serve me, serve me any time, Akhir Karim. <coughs> so, coming up to prophethood, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he was uh, practicing this concept of being secluded and pondering. Another phenomenon that was seen just before he became a prophet was that many people actually came searching for the upcoming prophet. This was. Uh, these were events that happened. They would come into Mecca, people from different civilizations, searching for, searching for this upcoming prophet. Which, and we've, we've said before when we discussed Bahira the monk, and we discussed Maysara when he accompanied Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Right? He accompanied him uh, on some trade. He took testimony from some learned people that this person is a prophet uh, because of specific. Uh, events that occurred, right? So, we know that there were signs of the upcoming prophet. And we also know that in the books of the previous people was knowledge about the prophet to come. And that's why we said they denied him arrogantly because they denied him knowing that he was the prophet. It was taught to them uh, in their scriptures. It was taught to them by their previous prophets, right? So, News that they had news of the upcoming prophet and where likely and how likely and so on and so forth. So people were coming uh, through in search of him from the Jews, from the Christians. Even we see reports in the Sirah that fortune tellers even were uh, searching for the upcoming prophet. Now, 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he became a prophet, this is synonymous with some other major Islamic event. What is this event? The beginning of revelation. The beginning of revelation. He became a prophet with revelation. And he became a messenger with revelation. There's a difference. There's a difference. Remember we said, I'm not sure if I shared with you, there's a difference between a prophet and a messenger. A messenger is sent to people. A prophet is appointed by Allah. Every messenger is a prophet and not every prophet is a messenger. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam became a prophet with iqra. But was he sent to his people then? No. When was he sent to his people? Ya ayyuhal muddathir. Qum fa'andhir. Right? So he became a messenger with the, with the revelation, Ya ayyuhal muddathir. But he became a prophet with iqra. And revelation comes to prophets. So when we discuss Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam becoming a prophet, this is synonymous with another major Islamic event. And that is the beginning of revelation. In Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. Who knows Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim? Right. Sahih al-Bukhari is a book of hadith, the most authentic book after the Qur'an. And Sahih Muslim is another authentic book of hadith. The narrations in these books are authentic. Right? In these two books, we have a narration that teaches us about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam becoming a prophet and also Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and also the beginning of revelation. These two things are, uh, 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 happen hand in hand. Urwah ibn Az-Zubayr reports that Aisha radiallahu anha said, the beginning of the revelation that came to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and this is a rough translation for you, and barakallahu fiqh, may Allah grant you the honey of Jannah, ya Raymond. Ameen. Ameen. Raymond's blushing now. Huh? <laughs> and Raymond's father as well, mashallah. May Allah grant him the tea of Jannah. Ameen. We have son on the left and father on the right, mashallah. The wingers, right? <laughs> I'm giving you a rough translation because going through the Arabic would take a lot of time. This is a long narration. She says, radiallahu anha, the beginning of the revelation that came to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was at the beginning, good dreams, which came true. Good dreams, which came true. This was the beginning of revelation. This was before Jibreel came. Jibreel came with a type of revelation, which is the major component of revelation. But Allah also reveals to his prophets, via dreams like Ibrahim alayhi salam. So she says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give him dreams, good dreams, which would come true. This was the beginning for a period of six months. And she says he never saw a dream, but it came true like bright daylight. Meaning it was manifest that he saw it and this event has come to happen. So this is how it started. Then she says, seclusion was made dear to him. And he used to go to the cave of Hira and worship there, which means that he went and devoted himself to worship for a number of nights before coming back to his family to collect more provisions. Then he would go back again. And then he would go back to Khadija to collect more provisions and so on and so forth. This is what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa 
would do. And this happened until the truth came to him, until the haqq came to him, until Jibreel came to him with revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She says, suddenly when he was in the cave of Hira, the angel came and said, Iqra, read. The messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, I am not a reader. Ma ana biqari'. And obviously this is a scary situation, imagine. Right? You're seeing something from the unseen, something strange, commanding you to read, and you're not a reader. He says, Ma ana biqari'. I'm not a reader. He's, he, he said uh, that he took hold of me. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying, Aisha radiallahu anha is telling us that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying, he took hold of me and squeezed me until I could not bear it anymore. And then he released me and said, read. And I said the same answer. Ma ana biqari'. I cannot read. So he took hold of me and squeezed me a second time until I could not bear it anymore. And then he released me and he said, read. And I said, I am not a reader. Ma ana biqari. He couldn't read. This is wisdom from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because there's a lesson from this. No one can say Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam read what he preached to anywhere else. Anywhere else. I cannot read, not once, not twice, three times. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, He took hold of me and squeezed me a third time until I could not bear it anymore. Then he released me and said, Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq, khalaq al-insana min alaq, iqra' wa rabbuka al-akram, alladhi allama bil-qalam, allama al-insana ma lam ya'lam. He said, read in the name of your Lord who has created all that exists. He has created man from a clot. And he said, read. And your Lord is the most generous. Who has taught by the pen? He has taught man, which man knew not. This is a, a rough translation of the ayat. Wallahi, to do justice to the ayat, we need to sit, a dedicated sitting. Just to take the lessons of, from the tafsir and explanation of the ayah. But this is a rough translation. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that, or this hadith teaches us that after this event, he went back with his heart beating wildly until he came to Khadija radiallahu anha. And he said to her, cover me, cover me. So he was obviously shivering. And they covered him till his fear went away. Then he said to Khadija, oh Khadija, I fear for myself. And he told her what happened to him. And Khadija radiallahu anha said, as I discussed with you all when we were discussing how a wife makes a house, a home and an abode. She said to him words of comfort. And she said, Wallahi la Allahu abada. She says, by Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not disgrace you. Will not disgrace you. He will never disgrace you. Not just not disgrace you, never. Not now and not in the future. Yuhzik is the present tense of the verb. The present tense of a verb in the Arabic language denotes continuity. There's continuity in the process. Right? So she is saying, Allah will not disgrace you and never disgrace you. What amazing words from an amazing woman, radiyallahu anha. May Allah gather us with her in Jannah. Ameen. And with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ameen. And then she went on to praise Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She said, 
By Allah, Allah will never disgrace you. You uphold the ties of kinship. You speak truthfully. You help the poor and the destitute. You serve your guests generously and assist those who are stricken by calamity. Take note, my dear brothers and sisters. These were qualities of success. Qualities, qualities of prophets. And this was him before he became a prophet You should have an intention that you move on to do these things so that you walk in the footsteps of Rasulullah Right? What did she notice from him? When she praised him, what did she praise? And was she praising him out of just buttering him up? No. This was fact. This was fact. And we'll discuss this inshaAllah if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala permits the concept of praising and when it is allowed. So she said, you uphold the ties of kinship. Wallahi, we can have a one hour discussion about this. A one hour discussion. Right? The bonds of kinship. The bonds of kinship. Perhaps do a search online on YouTube. I have a dedicated lecture to the, uh, to, uh, on this topic. The bonds of kinship, I think it's called. Sajid Umar. For those writing, try doing that search. I will also revise it, inshallah, and, 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 and come back uh, to you all tomorrow, bidnillahi ta'ala, uh, with the, the correct name if I've made a mistake. But uh, it, 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 the name is similar to this. Maintaining the bonds of kinship. Um... Sajid Umar in Google, inshallah it will come. This is what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa would do before prophecy. And this again teaches us or reinforces the lesson we discussed yesterday, which was the importance of creating relevance with the people. Create relevance with them, you have to mix with them. So that when you speak to them, they listen to you. They don't, then they're not surprised. Where did you come from? Right? You're a person hiding somewhere. You don't mix with the people. And then you want to teach us good. Whilst Rasulullah was a man of solitude, but he spent many years mixing in the quote-unquote halal, the good practices of his people. He would mix with them and be with them and participate with them. He wasn't hiding in his room or hiding in a hole somewhere, right? Participating with the people. So when he would speak to them, they would, he would have had relevance already created. And upon that platform, he would speak to them. And thus he, was managed, he managed to avert bloodshed with the story related to the black stone. When he spoke, they listened to him. Why? Because he already had relevance. He created relevance with them, right? He could speak to them upon that platform. This reinforces and consolidates that lesson. You maintain the bonds of kinship. You maintain the ties of kinship. And notice this word maintain. Maintain is not tit for tat. I do if they do. Right? They visit me, I visit them. They phone me, I phone them. They give my, my child 10 Australian dollars for Eid, I give them 10 Australian dollars for Eid. Tit for tat. Right? No. Maintain is to go forward even when they're trying to cut it. Maintain means you upkeep. You have to service it. Even when they're trying to cut it, you go forward. That's maintaining. Not tit for tat, when they do, I do. You maintain it when they cut it. Not the attitude of the brother who says, Subhanallah, his daughter is getting married. The walima is happening this Sunday. I didn't get an invite. Mm. 
Wait, 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 wait. How many daughters does he have? So he has one daughter. One daughter, khair. I have three. I have three daughters. Right? He's done it once, we'll fix him. No. No, no, no. They, make, they, they do it, they don't invite you, you invite them three times. You do the opposite. You maintain. Rasulullah would do that. Khadija is praising him radiallahu anha. She loves her husband for these qualities. Right? And this is one thing, brothers and sisters. When you want to grow love between husband and wife, become people of good character. You know, the more good things you learn about your spouse, the more you love your spouse. And this is, this is factual. This is factual. Right? This is factual. You get married, and then in the darkness of the night, you hear a movement in the room, you wake up to see her praying tahajjud. You didn't know this about her. What happens? What happens? Even though you weak and you t- turned the other way and went to sleep, but what happened to you naturally? Your love for her grew, not so? Yes. Subhanallah, this is who I married. Good quality. And she, when she learns that my husband supports these widows, he gives charity, I don't even know. People are saying this, this person who gives this charity and it turns out to be my husband, what happens to the wife? Love grows in a husband. This is how you grow love. People say, how do I make my wife love me? (laughs) And how do I make my husband love me more? Yes, there's dua and so on and so forth. But one of the greatest ways is to grow your character. Not for him, for the sake of Allah. Substantial growth. Grow your character. Become a better person. Love will naturally come through. This is the sunnah of Allah. We, we, we love people who do good. Not so. There's people who we don't even know of. We don't even know of. But we just see them doing things and subhanallah, we feel love for them. We love them for the sake of Allah. We can't put a hand to it, but we just love them for the sake of Allah. Right? It's because they have good character. She is citing the good character of Rasulullah You maintain the ties of kinship. Number one, you speak truthfully. You never misplace your tongue. You help the poor and the destitute. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. You help the poor and the destitute. How in need are we, brothers and sisters? How in need are we? How in need are we? We took the lesson the other day about the importance of supporting projects even if non-Muslims do it, but they're projects which the Sharia considers sacred. Even though it's a non-Muslim doing it, you go forward and help. That's the Islamic message. And then we said, what if a Muslim is doing it? What if it's a Muslim doing what the Sharia considers sacred? You should go there even faster, right? To help. You should go there even faster to help. And it shouldn't be that they need to beg you for money. They need to have a fundraiser. You should be going forward and saying, what do you need? Help the poor. Help you helping the poor. What do you need? I'm here. This is the way of Rasulullah And he would serve his guests generously and assist those who are stricken by calamity. Selfless. He made your problem his problem. This was his nature wasallam. It was not that this does not involve me and my family, so I'm not going to be interested. No. You had a problem, it was his problem. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is what she said. And then she plotted for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam a plan and said, we will go and find out about what happened from a relative of mine. Right? The son of her paternal uncle. She said, I know he's got some knowledge about these things. Of Perhaps he can shed some light. So she took 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Waraqa bin Nawfal, that was his name. And he was a man who had become a Christian during the Jahiliyyah. And he used to write Arabic script and he used to write from the gospel in Arabic as much as Allah willed, he should write. And he was an old man who became blind. And Khadija said, oh son of my uncle, listen to what your nephew says, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Waraqa listened. And Waraqa said, oh son of my brother, look at these words, right? Look at these words. Look at, the, look at the adab, the manners. Remember we said Rasulullah said, I was sent to perfect the most noble of characters, which means the Quraysh. These people had character. They were people of character as well. They had good character. Look at the speech. Oh, son of my brother, how close does that bring you? It brings you close. Oh, son of my brother, what have you seen? So the Prophet explained. And Waraqa said, this is the Namus. He meant by Namus Jibreel. He meant by Namus Jibreel, the angel of revelation, the angel that is sent to prophets. This is the Namus who came down to Musa. With that, I were young and could live until the time when your people will drive you out. He knew. He's telling Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "Get ready, fasten your seatbelts. There's turbulence ahead." What he's saying is, "I wish, I wish, I was young." and could be available to support you because trouble or troubling times are coming to you. There's many lessons in this, we'll come to it. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, will they really drive me out? These are my people, I have relevance with them. I'm their tribesmen. The, 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 the bond of blood is powerful. It's powerful. Will they drive me out? He's, 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 he's concerned. He's surprised. And Waraqa said, yes, never has there come, and, and, and put this in your head in gold, never has there come a man with that which you have brought, meaning worship one Allah only, but he was persecuted. And if I should live to see that day, I will support you strongly. But Allah will that a few days later, Waraqa passed away. Subhanallah, look at the plan of Allah, systematic. Waraqa is alive to the point to explain to Rasulullah what he needs to know, and then Allah takes him away. Allah is in control of everything. Allah is in control of everything. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then revelation ceased for a while and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam became sad. Now obviously you become sad because you, you told that, uh, O oh son of my brother, what you saw was an angel from Allah. And this is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam trying to make sense of what the Quraysh are doing and trying to learn how to worship Allah. So all of a sudden, he's just heard the best news he could ever hear. That subhanallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my creator, my Lord is communicating with me. And then the revelation goes silent. So naturally you become sad. What happened to it? I need it. Right? You become dependent on it. Because you love to worship Allah the way he wants to be worshipped. I need this. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Grieved. Now, before we go into the lessons, and there's many lessons, Wallahu A'lam, if today will suffice, unless we sit till 10 p.m. Before we get to the lessons, when did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa become a prophet? He became a prophet on Monday. And this is established because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa used to say, when he used to fast Monday, that this is the day I was born, and this is the day revelation came to me. Which month 
did he become a prophet then? Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah mentions two views. 8th of Rabi'ul Awwal, or around this period, 41 years after the event of the elephants. And this is the view of the majority. This is the view of the majority. A second view says he became a prophet in Ramadan. And we discussed this previously, we shed some light. Some people said he became a prophet in Ramadan, so he was born in, 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 in Ramadan. Remember when we discussed the birth of Rasulullah wasallam? If you don't remember, it's online. Review that particular lesson. The view of the majority was it was in Rabiul Awal 41 years after the event of uh, the elephant. Some actually cite the 8th of Rabi' Al Awal. Imam Al Bayhaqi, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, a great Imam, he has an interesting way of piecing this together. He says, Look, when revelation started, it was dreams which lasted six months. And this was in Rabiul Awal. And then revelation came and happened in Ramadan, which is six months after Rabiul Awal. So revelation happened in Rabiul Awal and revelation happened in Ramadan. This is how Imam Al-Bayhaqi has joined this together and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Somebody might say, but hold on a second. Allah says, Inna anzalnahu fi laylatil qadr. We revealed the Quran on the night of power. Shahru Ramadan alladhi unzila fihi al-Quran. The Quran was revealed in the month of Ramadan. So if the Quran was revealed then, and he became a prophet then, then surely he became a prophet in the month of Ramadan. Correct? But then somebody might say, but also the Quran was revealed over a period of 23 years. So how was the Quran revealed in Ramadan? To answer all these questions, understand brothers and sisters, what our scholars have said, Rahmatullahi alayhim. They say, the Quran was revealed in two stages. The first stage was it being revealed as a whole. And this was from the preserved tablet to Baytul Izza, the house of honor in the first heaven. This happened on the night of power, which happened in the month of Ramadan. And then from there, it was revealed piecemeal, meaning in stages, as per the wisdom of Allah, over a period of 23 years. Is that clear? Is that clear? This is important that you understand. This is good general knowledge, right? This is good general knowledge for you all. So at least you understand when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna anzalnahu fi laylatil qadr. And shahru Ramadan alladhi unzila fi al-Quran. And the fact that the Quran came down in stages over 23 years. So now you know there was a, a dual-pronged approach with regards to the Quran being revealed. As a whole first, on the night of power in the month of Ramadan from Allah al-Mahfuz to the house of honor. Where's the house of honor? In the first heaven. There's another house known as Al-Bayt Al-Ma'mur, which is the equivalent of the Kaaba in the seventh heaven. In the seventh heaven. Right? So these are two opinions, and this is how Imam Al-Bayhaqi, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, puts it together. Now what lessons do we learn from this? Firstly, brothers and sisters, we learn the all-important lesson that the title of this religion is Iqra. The title of this religion is education. The title of this religion is knowledge. Because Iqra refers to reading. And reading is the way we acquire knowledge. In most cases, reading is the way we acquire knowledge. The scholars wrote books. Now we make TV programs, yes. But the scholars, the giants who walked this earth, they wrote books. 
we learn through reading. This is the wisdom of Allah, choosing Iqra to be the first revelation, to announce that this religion is built upon education and knowledge. And yesterday I taught you all what our pious predecessors used to say. They used to say the right of Islam is to learn, is to learn. It's the haqq of Islam that you learn. When you say La ilaha illallah, the next step is that you, Muhammad Rasulullah, the next step is that you learn. It's Islam's haqq and right. So this religion is built upon a flat platform of knowledge, not ignorance, not emotion, not that which contradicts common sense, upon knowledge and upon evidence. This is what we learn, brothers and sisters. And to further bolster your understanding of what I've said, consider how Islam has made the tool of Islam which to the pen. The pen, is that not a tool, an instrument of education? It is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the tool and instrument of Islam the pen. Allah said, The one who taught by the pen. Allah says, Noon Allah takes a qasam by the pens. By, pe by, by the pen. And what they inscribe and, tra and transcribe. <coughs> Allahu Akbar. The pen is the tool of Islam. And the pen is a tool of education. An instrument of education. And consider further, my dear brothers and sisters, here in front of me and those at home, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the mercy of Him teaching us the Qur'an before the mercy of Him creating you and I. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ar-Rahman. This is one of the beautiful names of Allah. The, the, the most merciful, right? Ar-Rahman. The perpetually merciful. What does Allah say? Allama al-Qur'an. Allah now starts throughout the whole of Surah Al-Rahman. Allah mentions His mercies upon us. For those who didn't realize, everything after Ar-Rahman, Allah is mentioning His mercies upon us. Everything. Read Surah Al-Rahman today. And glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is the first mercy Allah teaches us? Allama al-Qur'an. He taught you the Qur'an. Before khalaq al-insan. It's a mercy that Allah created us. But before the mercy of Allah creating us, Allah mentions the mercy of Allah teaching us the Qur'an. Allahu Akbar. Religion of knowledge. Religion based upon the concept of education, of reading, of writing. And then after Allah says khalaq al-insan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala further consolidates the point by saying another concept of education that Allah taught you speech education on one end education on the other end in the middle the fact that Allah created us subhana rabbi al-a'la subhana rabbi al-a'la this is the first lesson we learn my dear brothers and sisters when we look 
at Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam becoming a prophet and at the same time the beginning of revelation because Jibreel came he didn't say assalamu alaykum this is who I am how are you feeling today he came and said iqra the time for being serious has come and it starts by being educated right now yesterday as I said we discussed this point that the right of Islam is to learn and for us brothers and sisters to understand how important learning is in Islam if we're not convinced yet then let's look at what package Islam has placed for the one who learns let's look at the package that Islam has placed for the one who learns you and I in the dunya we always look at the package when we want to know how good something is what do we do we look at the package what's on offer what's the job package here tell me what's the JD the job description tell me what do I get right I'm a doctor it's a noble job why look what they get paid look at the perks look at the respect you look at the package that comes with it right CEO of a, of, 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 of a company you look at the package that comes with it not so we, we say it's noble to be a CEO. It's, it's an honor. Why? Because look at the life of it. Look at the package that comes with it. What package has Islam placed with regards to seeking knowledge? What has Islam placed as a package? Before that, understand brothers and sisters. Our scholars, rahmatullahi alayhim, say that the first command was that you and I learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is another evidence which teaches us why seeking knowledge is from the prime core matters of this religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ فَعْلَمْ فَعْلَمْ is from the three-letter root, عِلْمْ عَيْنْ لَا مِيمْ which denotes knowledge. فَعْلَمْ and know and learn and be educated. About what? لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ that there's no one worthy of worship besides one Allah. This is the first command. And Ibn al-Qayyim has an amazing mention about this ayah. This is a footnote for you all, right? He says, that subhanallah, this was the first command to learn about Allah because when the slave learned about Allah, he naturally worshipped Allah. Because you learned who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was. And that's why many a time my brothers and sisters ask me, how do we increase the khushu' in our ibadah? How do we worship Allah better? How do we improve the quality of our salah? How do we improve our intention and our iman? I say to you, my dear brothers and sisters, learn about Allah. Learn about Allah. Learn about Allah using His beautiful names and attributes. Go and learn about Allah. Like I told you earlier, you learn something new about your spouse, what happened to you naturally? You loved her more. Wallahi, the more you learn about Allah, you love Allah more. Your awe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grows. The way you exalt Him grows. The way you praise Him naturally grows. Learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ In terms of the package, consider the fact that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, in terms of the merits, the package that comes to the person, the gift, the prize, for the one who seeks knowledge, مَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا that the one who treads a path seeking Islamic knowledge, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ease his path to Jannah. 
Allahu Akbar. Whoever treads a path seeking not any knowledge, Islamic knowledge, Sahalallahu Lahu Bihi Tariqan Ilal Jannah. Allah will make his path to Jannah easier. Allahu Akbar. Right? We're talking about the package, right? Which makes us understand how noble seeking knowledge is. Look at the prize. What, what other prizes do we have? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said about the alim, وَإِنَّ الْعَالِمِ لَيَسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَالْحِيْتَانِ فِي جَوْفِ الْمَاءِ Allahu Akbar. He says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that indeed the knowledgeable person, everything seeks forgiveness for him. Allah makes everything seek forgiveness for him. Everything on the face of this earth, everything in the skies, and even the fish in the oceans. They seek forgiveness for the scholar. What price would you put on that, my dear brothers and sisters? What price? Priceless. Priceless. Creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you don't know is seeking forgiveness on your behalf? Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Tayyib. What else did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say? He said, Khayrukum man ta'allama al-Qur'ana wa'allamah. The best of you are those who learn the Qur'an and teach it. The best of you. We want to be the best of the best. The best of you is the one who learns, learns, educates themselves, learns the Qur'an and teaches it. They further expand education. What else? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Shahid Allah, Annahu la ilaha illallah, wal malaikatu wa ulul ilm, qa'iman bil qist. Allahu Akbar. Allah says, Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bears testimony that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah and the angels and the people of knowledge are true to this testimony and are upright with regards to this fact that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah the angels and the people of knowledge Allah mentions them in the same sentence the angels you get mentioned with the angels what else has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said? Teaching us about the importance of seeking knowledge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will raise those who have believed and those who are the people of knowledge by degrees. Raise them. They're in a league of their own. And how can they not be brothers and sisters? They have with them the inheritance of the best person to have walked the face of this earth. Imagine if you had with you the most priceless treasure that this world had. How special would you be? Would you be like everybody else? No, you're not. You're a degree above. Why? Because you have something everybody else wants, but they don't have. Right? Imagine you have the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah, the sahaba radiallahu anhum, they understood what seeking knowledge was. Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu walks into the markets of Medina and says, what is wrong with you people? The inheritance of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is being distributed and you are here. So everybody stopped what they did, what they were doing. Ran. Where Abu Huraira? In Masjid al-Nabawi. They run to the masjid. They walk in and they see Quran lessons and they see hadith lessons and so on and so forth. Meaning lessons of the knowledge which Rasulullah left behind. They said, where is it being distributed? He says, can you not understand? These circles of knowledge here, in these circles of knowledge, 
This is where the distribution of the wealth of the Anbiya alayhim salatu wasalam is. The, the, the prophets of Allah, the messengers of Allah, لم يورثوا دينارا ولا درهما ورثوا العلمة. They never left behind gold and silver coins. They left behind something more precious. They left behind knowledge, revelation. And knowledge will always be better than wealth. Think about it. Think about it. Money, you have to protect. But knowledge protects you. Wealth, when you spend it, it decreases. Unless you spend it for the sake of Allah. But knowledge, when you spend it, it increases. Have I not spent knowledge now? Telling you? How has it increased? You will take it to, to, to hundreds of other people. Knowledge will always be better than wealth. So they left us something even more substantial. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he says, Ibn Abbas, he says, growing my knowledge and increasing my knowledge and learning knowledge is more uh, during some of the nights is more beloved to me than spending it alive in salah and so on and so forth. Because, right? Because the more you learn, the better that salah is going to become. This is the package, brothers and sisters. For the one who learns knowledge. And I'm not saying learn for the sake of it. I'm saying learn for the love of it. Because you love what you learn. Not because of entertainment. Alhamdulillah, today we live in an age where there's a revival. There's a revival. Look at YouTube, full, mashaAllah. In fact, I hear the, the youth saying, the YouTube sheikhs. I said, wow, man, there's a, there's a list called the YouTube sheikhs. <laughs> right? MashaAllah, the ilm is there. Everything's being recorded. Look at this, it's being recorded. It's being broadcast to the, uh, to the sisters. It's live streaming online, mashaAllah. And inshaAllah, it's being recorded. The recordings will be on YouTube. There will be DVDs and MP3s, right? There, there's a revival. Knowledge is available. The internet al-ba'id, as the scholars say. It's made something which was so far away, so close. Right? There's a revival. But, but, how many people are learning? And that's why I'm citing this point. Don't learn for the sake of it. Don't learn for the entertainment of it. Learn for the love of it. Learn, learn for the sake of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa This is important. Alhamdulillah, there's a revival with the turn of the century. But sadly, there's another strange phenomenon that needs to be dealt with. And that is this concept of fans. Fans. The lecturer has fans. The, the coton, the, the sheikh, or the student of knowledge, he has fans. People listen to him because of him, not because of what he says. This is not learning for the sake of ilm. This is not learning, and you should learn for the sake of Allah. You shouldn't even... Uh, my teachers used to tell me, Hafidahumullah, don't even learn to increase your knowledge. Learn for the sake of Allah. And a result of it will be that your knowledge will be increased. Allahu Akbar. I know what they were meaning. They're not saying you should not learn for the sake of knowledge, but they're trying to make your intention even more purer for the sake of Allah. Seeking knowledge is worship. Do it for Allah. The net result is knowledge will increase. It's like you have a business. What's the net result of having a business if you run it properly? 
You'll have money. You'll get a profit. It's a result of doing something. Right? Today, we're learning for entertainment. It doesn't matter what the topic is. What matters is the name of the person coming to speak. This is dangerous, brothers and sisters. This is dangerous. You see, mashallah, over there, the fiqh of food and clothing. You see that? Can you see that? The topic is bigger than the name of the sheikh coming to teach it. That's good. Alhamdulillah. Because your heart should be attached to the topic. That subhanallah, I have an opportunity to learn from the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Learning what he taught us with regards to food and clothing. The etiquettes, the morals and manners of, of these concepts. I need to be there. I need to be there. Today subhanallah, you see the shaykh's name being advertised bigger than the topic. In fact, if there was no topic but just the shaykh's name, the venue will be full. He, you don't know, he might come to sell a car to you. <laughs> right? But that's fine. We came to see him. Why? Hey, you know, he's got a gift of the gab. You know, we get entertained. You know the jokes. This sheikh, he can do stand-up comedy. It's entertainment. Astaghfirullah. And we're not saying it's the blame of the sheikhs. It's the, it's the, the, we're saying the problem is how things are being perceived. Inshallah, the mashayikh and the students of knowledge don't intend this. They don't intend this. They're just trying to keep things current and keep you engaged. But sometimes things get lost in translation. People forget why they're coming here. Wallahi, you don't want to, you don't want to come and get sins and go back home. Thinking you got rewards. Because you left home for the sake of other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because of the hype. There's a hype. I need to be there. I love this guy. Subhanallah. You know, very soon, who knows? You might go to a talk and see people with lighters. <laughs> and candles. Allah understand. You know, when you, a speaker comes in and then some of the females are going out of breath. This is, this is, this is, this is not intended. Wallahi, this is not. This ilm has an aura, has a haybah, has an honor far greater than any human being. Wallahi, understand this. And no speaker is what he is because of him. He is what he is because of what he says. You must remember this. You must remember this. It doesn't matter who you are, this body, this personality. It's what you say. We came here because you learned what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa left behind. We are fans of what you're going to say. We're not fans of you or your name or where you come from. We are fans of what you're going to say. We lose, we go out of breath for the knowledge of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa We're so desperate to hear it. This is where I wish, this is how it should be brothers and sisters. Understand this. We're losing line of sight. May Allah protect us. Wallahi, a person will stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah. And Allah will say, what did you do? Say, I studied. I learned. I learned the Quran. For you, ya Allah. Allah will say, kathabt. You are lying. You did it for other reasons. And the reasons you did it for you, enjoyed them. There's nothing for you here today. May Allah protect us. May Allah protect us. The speaker first. So brothers and sisters, understand this. You are followers of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Not Sajid Umar. Not somebody else on, on, on the internet. No. And that's why we're going to discuss this. Giving due diligence and respect to your local scholars as well. Doesn't matter if they don't have a name. 
To say today we're so fixated on names by Allah, there are people who are unknown who have more knowledge than the people you know. But because you're so fixated on the name, you've shut your door to a plethora of ilm. A plethora of ilm. A plethora of ilm. And, and, and you know what? This is, this is another thing we need to address. SubhanAllah, our time has come to an end. And, 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 but it, this is part of it. Let's, let's address it. Let's take it all out. Let's take it all out and get it out there. You know, you need to be people who can be iman boosted yourself. And today, why is it that subhanAllah, there's so many talks, but so less people who have an iman boost. They're only boosted at the time of the talk. They go home, second day, third day, back to square one. They need the sheikh to come back. And when he comes back, they run to him. Like they're addicted to him, subhanAllah. Why? It's not sustainable for organizations to keep paying airfares for people to come to Australia. The quote-unquote celebrities who you are fans of to come and tell you to be iman boosted. Then you iman boosted. Then they fly back. Ya akhi, it's a long travel, ya akhi. <laughs> it's long. 14 hours, subhanAllah, depending where you're flying from. Right? It's not sustainable. It's like you telling me, you know what, every day come and charge my car battery. I'm going to say, la hawla hawla. What do you think? Right? We got to be charged up ourselves. And you know what? I've thought about this, brothers and sisters. The way to be substantial is to learn ilm. Today, subhanAllah, we only run to the talks that have the ha-ha-ha moments and have general nasiha. Somebody says, Melbourne, Medina, Kitabul Iman from Suhiya al-Bukhari. Sheikh is coming to teach it. How many people will be here? No, Kitabul Iman. That name is boring. Even the name, subhanAllah. Now on, you, put, you, you, you upload the talk, you have to think, what name now? You'll see, they'll tell you, Sheikh, what name can we put? Say, put the name. This is what I spoke about. No, it's not exciting enough. People won't watch this. Wallahi, this is what I get told. This is what I get told. They said, what's the name of this topic? I said, Fiqh Sirah. No, no, don't call it Fiqh Sirah. Don't call it Fiqh Sirah. By the way, I came up with the name. <laughs> Blast from the past as well. Alhamdulillah. I'm not saying it out of pride, it's a fact. <laughs> Ask the brothers. <laughs> right? But the thing is, I first initially said, Fiqh Sirah. They said, no. It won't work. It won't work. Nobody will come. Fiqh Sirah. Boring. Because... People only want to be attached to hype and trends. This is it. You cannot be Iman boosted yourself this way. You, if you want to be Iman boosted, learn solid knowledge. Learn solid knowledge. You know the talks that happen, general talks in Masad, this is nasiha. A one hour talk is nasiha. Someone is giving you advice. How many times do you want a person to tell you, be a good husband, be a good wife, be good with your in-laws, mother-in-law, don't fight with your daughter-in-law. How many times should we have these talks? Right? How many times should we should you be told have khushu in your salah, have khushu in your salah, have khushu in your how many times? And this is what we keep on coming back to listen to. It's the same message beaten out of a different box. But we come back for it. Why? Because this man came to say it. This is wrong. Ask yourself, why am I not substantial myself? Why am I not motivated myself? You know why? You don't have the tools of being motivated. You heard too much nasiha. You didn't learn ilm. You got to join between the two. You got to learn ilm and you got to hear nasiha. You have to. If you learn the tools of motivation, you will be able to motivate yourself. Come to the tafsir lessons. Even if it's called tafsir. 
Come to the hadith lessons. They're also important, even if the shaykh is not known. I'm not saying you shouldn't find out who the shaykh is in terms of the background of his knowledge. No. But today, subhanallah, we must have such a big biography of the shaykh. What sports he likes, you know? Yeah. People relate to it. And I'm not saying it's wrong. We need to, you know, we need to do what we need to do because we're trying to infiltrate the youth. But at the end of the day, this ilm has a certain haybah which we need to respect. It has a certain haybah. How much can we peel off it so it appeases the masses? How much? Right? So my brothers and sisters, you hear? The hundreds of you, take it to hundred other people, please. Take it to them. That subhanallah, guys, you know what? We heard something that is food for thought. It's food for thought. You know, I did a dhuhr reminder the other day. They said, what can we call it? I said, call it food for thought. The only food one's allowed to eat when you're fasting. Because it was a dhuhr, they were fasting. <laughs> this is food for thought that you can eat now because it's night time, alhamdulillah. Food for thought. Sometimes we, we enter a state of heedlessness. It's oblivion. It's oblivion. Right? Someone else could have come to this message to do this talk. I would expect you to be here. Expect you to come and learn. He's a graduate from a place. He's got ilm. He's been taught by knowledgeable people. He's got ilm. I am in love with the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I will go to wherever it comes from. That's what it is. You're not in love with Shaykh so and so, and student of knowledge so and so, and propagator so and so. I'm in love with the inheritance of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That is what is my. That's what drives me. That's what makes me leave my home. I love him so much. I want to know everything about him, and I have an opportunity to learn about him. So let me go. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Now brothers and sisters, to qualify before we close, I'm not saying everyone needs to now run to Medina. Well, this Melbourne Medina, come, you're welcome. But I'm talking about Medina, the Islamic University of Medina. <laughs> right? Many a time we feel that to do something good for Islam, we need to go study Islam deeply. I'm not saying everyone needs to go there. The ummah needs doctors, it needs lawyers, it needs everybody. The ummah needs it. Go do that. But what I'm saying is, learn what you have to learn. Remember the other day I said knowledge is of two types. Knowledge which is fardu'ayn. It's compulsory upon every human being. Every human being to know. Not just the scholars. And then there's knowledge which is considered fard kifaya. Fard kifaya is a communal obligation. If the scholars learn it, it's enough. There's knowledge, or the knowledge I'm speaking about is that which you have to know, brothers and sisters. The other day we discussed saying touch wood, fingers crossed. This is something you should know. You have to know. You have to know. You're sinful for not knowing and you're sinful for not practicing. Where are you going to learn? At the feet of the scholars. And Alhamdulillah, Allah has sent you scholars to your community. You don't have to go to Medina to learn this. You don't have to invest seven years. You can go become an engineer. But be a well-grounded, founded, sounded engineer. Be the engineer who is the best. We spoke about being the best. The one who the whole world wants to learn from. And whilst they're learning from him, he has the adhan from outside of his company. Multi-billion dollar corporation that hires thousands of people. He has the adhan across the street from a masjid which he built. Allahu Akbar. And then he goes there to be the imam and lead the prayer. And after that, share a reminder and inspire the ummah. Can you not be that? Of course you can be that. You're supposed to invite to what you know. And you can be an engineer as well. And a doctor as well. The ummah needs this. 
The ummah needs doctors who are the best, engineers who are the best, policy makers who are the best. The ummah needs this, right? You don't have to all become sheikhs and muftis and, and, and people who pass fatwa. But what you have to do in your endeavor to be the best professional is learn everything the sharia made compulsory upon you to learn. You as an individual, understand this. And that is why Allah said, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the people of knowledge if you don't know. Because you have the people of knowledge who know what you don't need to know. And if you need to know, you can ask them. That's what it means. But you as a Muslim need to know what you have to know. Five times salah, how to perform salah, what breaks my salah, trade. Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an would, would test people before they went to, to in, into the market. Test them. Fiqh of finance. <laughs> One-on-one, right? <laughs> Test them. Let's see, what's the ruling here? What's the ruling there? You don't know? Not pass, you can't go trade. Why? You, you're going to trade, you have to, know, you have to know matters pertaining to trade. It's compulsory for you to know this. You can't say it's the scholar's job and you're just going to wing it. Right? As we say today, just wing it. <laughs> you can't wing it. This is deen, this is jannah and jahannam, ya akhi. This is your Islam, my dear brother and sister. Right? And from this discussion, learn how important our scholars are. Because as I said, there's certain knowledge which is farad kifayah, that which is a communal obligation, which means if someone from our community went to learn, the obligation is lifted. So when you see someone studying Islam, you should kiss their feet. I'm not saying literally, but I'm saying understand who they are. They have lifted a burden of your shoulders. Had they not gone, you would be sinful. Everyone would be sinful. But because they went, the farad has been lifted. They've lifted a mighty load off the community. Have we ever thought about this? No. That's why we disrespect our scholars. We don't know what they've done for us. Wallahi, the moment the student is at the airport, he's going to study Islam, you should thank him from the bottom of your heart. He's done something that has lifted a great obligation off your shoulder. And when he comes back, support him. Or her, if she's a female student of knowledge. Alhamdulillahi alladhi ja'ala fi kulli fatratim min ar-rusuli baqaya min ahli al-ilm. Yad'oona man dalla ila al-huda. Wa yasbiruna minhum ala al-adha. Yuhyona bi kitabillahi ta'ala al-mawta. Wa yubassiruna bi nurillahi ahli al-ama. Fakam min qatilin li iblisin qad ahyaw. Wa kam min dhalin qad hadaw. فَمَا أَحْسَنَ أَثَرُهُمْ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَمَا أَقْبَحْ أَثَرُ النَّاسِ عَلَيْهِمْ A wise man said, Praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who inspired the presence of scholars during every portion of time. After every prophet left, Allah left behind scholars after them. يَدْعُونَ مَنْ ضَلَّ إِلَى الْهُدَى They invite the misguided people towards guidance. وَيَصْبِرُونَ مِنْهُمْ عَلَى الْأَذَى and they are patient upon the harm that the people give them. Wallahi, communities, they, they, they give you trouble when you try and invite them towards good. Look what Waraka told Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They're going to have it in for you. They're going to drive you out. Yasbiruna minhum ala al-adha. They're patient. The scholars are patient with the harm. The people give them the fact that they haven't realized that we have helped them. The scholars have helped them. The students of knowledge have helped them. They've lifted an obligation off them. So they're patient with their harm. 
يحيون بكتاب الله تعالى الموتى they give life spiritual life with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to those who are spiritually dead وَيُبَصِّرُونَ بِنُورِ اللَّهِ أَهْلَ الْعَمَى and they give spiritual eyesight to those who are spiritually blind فَكَمْ مِنْ قَتِيلٍ لِإِبْلِيسٍ قَدْ أَحْيُوا how many people has, has Iblis caused to become spiritually dead have they made spiritually alive and revived and how many misguided people has Allah guided upon the hands of the scholars? He says, how amazing has the benefit of the scholar been upon the people and how evil has the harm of the people been upon the scholar? I end with this point today, my dear brothers and sisters. We have much to discuss tomorrow. Subhanallah, we write on the first point, the first benefit. Allahu Akbar. But I told you the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is nothing but substantial. You know, I was hoping to finish with you the Meccan period. Allah knows best if I will. I might need three trips to Australia. Everything correct said is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and He is perfect. And all praises belong to Allah for blessing my voice and making it last. I pray that He does so, so that we can pray the Qiyamah as well together. Any mistakes are from myself and Shaytan, and I seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. May Allah increase our knowledge. May Allah forgive our mistakes. May Allah make us people of Tawheed and sincerity. Ameen. May Allah grant us Laylatul Qadr and accept our Ramadan and gather us in Jannah in the same way He has gathered us here today. Ameen. Hada wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.